You are now listening to Soundspace, the podcast where we interview experts and professionals in the space of sound. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Soundspace, the podcast where we interview music and audio professionals. I am once again joined by my amazing co-host, Anthony. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? Dude, I am so excited, and I'm so happy for this episode. We have someone incredible. We have Luca, the producer, with us. Let me please introduce this legend to you. Luca is a music producer and audio engineer with many years of experience in the music industry. He has worked with the likes of Corneille, Leanne DeFrancesco, Ariane Moffat, Samar, May Wells, Chinzia and the Eclipse, Impost, and many other artists. He has also worked as a live sound engineer for the performing arts theaters Le Balcon and the House of Jazz. Furthermore, he has a diploma from Vanier College in music performance, and currently he works as a music producer for his clientele at Planet Studios, where he handles music production, recording, mixing, and the mastering. Let's please give a warm welcome to Luca. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? I'm doing good. You? I'm doing good. I'm so happy to have you on, man. It's been a, a while since we've uh, reconnected, and I'm just very grateful to have you on this podcast. It's going to be a good talk today. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. Let's uh, start right at the beginning with you. I just really want to intro um, your experience with music. Just tell us when did music become of importance to you, and when did you find out it's what you wanted to pursue? Oh, man. It was from a young age. Like, basically... I think I was 11 when I started mm -hmm. playing guitar. And then it was honestly, dude, it was like the typical thing. Like girls like musicians. So I was like, let me just like <laughs> impress some chicks and play guitar and sing. And then I was like learning how to sing and stuff and join bands and whatnot. So like at a really young age, I was in a band from 13 all the way until like 20. And then at 20, I switched band up oh, until like okay. 25. And basically what I did was in the, the second band, I decided to start producing them because I was like, we can't afford anything. Like we can't mm. afford studio time. We had a buddy doing it, which was right. cool, but I was never super happy with the quality of it. And right. I was like, man, I feel like I can do this myself. Nah, 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 nah. And then I started doing it myself with them and I got better and better at it. And we started releasing songs like on our own. Right. Oh, right on. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, man. So you started pretty young. I mean, 25. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like you got, it's, it's young, but at the same time, like you got these young, like beat makers and stuff like killing the game. So, you know, now right. I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. No, fair man. enough. So you're obviously always very musical and that's what made you, I assume, decide to go into school for it. Can you explain your experience at Vanier? Vanier was awesome because basically there's two programs in Vanier. You either go into the classical program or you go into the jazz program. So I was okay. like, no. Okay. And it seemed fun. And so I started off, the first year was like, you're getting slammed with music. You're getting told you suck. It was really mm -hmm. tough. Like you ever watch right. that movie, uh, Whiplash? Whiplash. Whiplash. Drum I knew you were going to say Whiplash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, picture that, but on a like less, like a little lower. But the teachers were very intense, okay, gotcha. and I didn't blame them. Like, if you wanted to go to university, because that's what they were preparing you for. They were preparing you for university, you know. And it's like, yeah. and it's it's tough. Everyone wanted to get into the McGill Performing Program, and like I think it was my second year where I was like, I don't care to become the best guitar player in the school. I just was mm -hmm. like, I was in studios. I was a lot. I was very much in studios, and like just kind of playing with my band and like recording. And I fell in love with it because I was like working with uh, this guy, Pino. He's from here, from the East End. And he was like awesome. And so I'd always like record with him and ask him a million questions and this and that. So then I kind of fell in love with it. And he gave me my first setup. So I stopped practicing. I didn't care anymore. I was like... I was like, I just want to do this. So I was, I was finding like raw audio files online of these like garage bands that they would just let you mix like raw files. So I try to mix them and mix them because I fell in love with mixing first. So right. I was like mixing them, oh. trying to make them sound punchy and punchy and punchy.
launch here. And then I would start posting online saying, oh, I'm working with a metal band, but I was totally lying. (laughs) I'm working with a metal band, like check me out. And like, it would be a mix. I would sound like really decent, but I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't doing that. I would send it. I would write to the band. I've done it like a few times. I'd write to the band and be like, hey guys, like I know you guys posted the tracks online, free to use, but look at how I mixed your song. Like if you guys want some more mixes, send them my way. And it started like that, you know? That's awesome. Okay, right on. And sorry, just to go back, while you were at Vanier, what would you say were your uh, biggest lessons you've learned? Oh man, networking, because I was surrounded by a bunch of guys that, well, my friends over there, they were really into the, you know, really learning jazz, the language and everything, which I totally regret because only now I'm getting back into my theory and all that stuff because I let it go. Like I knew the basics and I knew my theory wasn't too bad, but like I wanted to be a little more advanced and, you know, and this and that. So when it came to like the last semesters, I was slacking because it was just too complicated and I didn't take time to just like really hone in on it. But like, I'm not going to be using advanced jazz theory when I'm doing pop music. Like, let's get yeah, real, you know? True, true. Yeah, It could be fun though. Yeah, but for myself right now, I want to do that. Yeah. So everyone would be practicing like no joke, 10 hours a day at the school, like right after class, they'd go to the practice room, even if they had an hour, just go start doing their scales, whatever, and then go to class and then continue. And then at night they would stay super late and then, you know, go home and then wake up like just burnt and just always be practicing. I was very much against that. I thought I'll just practice three hours a day. I think that's enough. Do what I have to do to get by. And then what I would do is just start networking, like start talking to people or whatever and like, you know, go out and like enjoy my life. I didn't want to like look back on my life and be like, I was just practicing the whole time in college and not socializing and, right. you know, meeting people, meeting yeah. artists and this and that. And I was, I was spending like, no joke, at one point it was becoming an hour of practice and then like four hours of mixing because I was just so obsessed with mixing. Wow. I was obsessed with it. That's good. I mean, you, you got some very good practice out of it. Yeah, big time. 100%. And then moving more away from your education, you started doing live audio, which is really interesting to me. It's a sphere of audio I've never really touched upon and uh, I'd love to get more into that. So how'd you get even get your foot in the door at uh, Le Balcon and then the House of Jazz? Uh, how did you even find that? Yo, so get this. This all ties together. Okay. And this is why I find my life a little funny. So in Vanier, I did the audio recording program. Right. I did the music program, but I did the audio recording program right after. Okay. So it's a six-month intensive program. I guess kind of like the ones you guys were doing. I think like I think there's one in Concordia, but it's not intensive. I think Trebus and like all that stuff, like that's like a year long. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. was six months. Yeah. So I did that program and I excelled, man. I'm not talking cocky. I was like flying through this program. Why? Because I already knew how to mix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I understood the tools. I understood what did what. It was more synthesis class that I would struggle with. But anyways, so after I, I left that school, I was looking for a job. I'm like, yo, I got to start working in live. Let's go. Like I got to start, just get any job in audio. And uh, live was like really scary because anything can go wrong and it's your, yeah. it's your fault. Live is the scariest one to start at first, I find. Exactly. Like, so if you have location audio, studio and live, like live is the, I haven't done live because I'm like, yo, it's live. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yo, it's it's terrifying. Yeah. So basically, yeah. um, I was asked to be in a corporate band. Okay, right after school, I was asked to be in like a corporate band of just like, oh, we're doing like weddings, we're doing events, and we're doing this and that. But we also mostly play at the House of Jazz. Oh. I was like, oh, what's the House of Jazz? Cool. So I start playing there. I did like two shows there, and the sound man was just so annoyed of the gig. He just didn't want to do it. And they're like, well, Luca, you just came out of school. You want to do it? I was like, yes. Right away, I was like, yeah. And it's so funny because the owner was like this old man. <laughs> like he's he's the coolest guy. I, well, I mean, you know. God rest his soul, like he passed away, but he was the coolest guy. And he was just like oh. super old school. He was like, look, I'm only going to 
pay you 50 bucks cash. I'm not going to pay you more than that per night. So I was there from four o'clock in the afternoon until midnight getting paid 50 bucks cash. If you do the math, there's that's less that, than minimum wage. That makes no okay? sense. Exactly. I didn't care. And it's funny because I left working at a club being a busboy and I was making bank. Like I was like happy there. Mm. You know what I mean? But I was like, no, I got to like stick to like the musicians here in Montreal, really get to know any, everyone and just chill. I don't care how much I'm making. I live at my with my parents. Like I don't care. Right. Now's the time to like make those sacrifices. Right. So um, I started working there and like I was just meeting everyone and doing the best I could. And people really liked my sound. I was very limited because I had like just like an analog board and nothing else. No compressors, no nothing. So mm. I was like very much like basic stuff until like I started asking them for a bit more budget. I would go get some gear, some compressors, outboard gear. And I started doing all that stuff. Like even a stereo EQ for the system. Like it wasn't there. I had to get that and like really show them that I could really beef up the place. And then they opened up right. another Laval, like a House of Jazz Laval. And I was in charge of both. So then I got paid more. So just by staying and showing my dedication, the owner was like, yo, dude, no, no, no. I'm going to pay you more. And you got to get a team because you can't run both at the same time. And so I got like my crew of like five sound engineers that I would, <laughs> I'd call up. I'd be like, today, okay, you know, David, you're working at the House of Jazz Laval. Well, tonight I'm going to work in Montreal. You found them yourself? Yeah. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was really chill. How long did you do that for? Oh, man, four years. Four years. And you want to laugh? While I was doing the House of Jazz in Montreal, there were nights that I had to go do live sound at Piranha Bar. So I was mixing metal. Oh, man. <laughs> Dude, I was like going from, from jazz, like mellow stuff or some pop bands because there was some like cool stuff to like just straight up death metal. And I loved it. And, <laughs> and and over there, they loved me. Dude, they loved me over there, man. I was like cranking the board. I was pushing it so hard, but my vocals were always on point. It was just like, every, I was pushing that system like crazy. And the, I remember the, the organizer, he was also in charge of heavy MTL. And he was like, oh. dude, if I could get you on live sound and heavy MTL, like I'm calling you. <laughs> I was so into it, dude. I loved it. No way. Yeah. Man. Did that ever end up happening? No, Have no, but I, no, it didn't. And I, I wish, but it's because it's like a big union, right? You can't. Yeah, it's huge. You know, the guy that's running the sound at Heavy MTL, he's been working at that company for years in order to yeah, get to right. that point. So I can't do that. I would yeah. be, even for myself, I would right. find it just disrespectful yeah, to like right, the right. whole culture of what we're doing. So yeah, no, I, I got to meet him actually because I was, when I was working security and I had the, that conversation with him, but damn, that would have been cool. Yeah, I just wanted to yeah. announce something else that you mentioned earlier. Man. You described you had to make sacrifices and you know make compromises, that, and mm -hmm. then you didn't care at, at that point just because you wanted to get your experience. I think that's something very important to touch upon because I feel like a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are people who are starting out in the industry. Can you describe what the mentality of someone, uh, uh, that mentality, like what do you need to be able to understand that you have to make those sacrifices and that sometimes you're not going to be paid as much as you should and all those things? Like, how did you come to accept that and move forward with that? Because I feel like it's sometimes a connection that's hard to make when you're out of school and you just want to work and be paid what you're owed because you put in the amounts of years at schooling. You know what I mean? I feel like that's something really important to touch upon. Well, the thing is, is that I was I had to be real with myself. One, I was in a program that was six months long. When you get out of audio, you're in a program that's like a year to six months long, maybe a year and a half max. Mm. So you have to be a little real with, your, with yourself that you're not going to get the top paid job, you know, coming out of those schools. You have to like build yeah. because you're not a doctor. You're not coming out of like a big university program where it's like, hey, I have this certified paper here that tells you that I can like perform surgeries. You're going to hire me. You know, they're going to be like, yeah. yeah, of course we'll hire you. But, you know, I was kind of real with myself. Right. And also I had to tell myself, like, what do I really need financially? Yes, I need money. But in my situation at the time, I was living at my parents. And again, being Italian and brought up Italian, you're, you live at your parents until you get married. You know, that's that's how old <laughs> school we were but I, I left earlier on but okay. like uh, but yeah you know like I was like okay dude like I don't really need much right now and even though my parents were worried about me they're like you're not making enough money 
and this and that, I'd be like, wait, 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 hold on. And then, you know, stuff started changing where, oh, I'm taking care of two House of Jazzes. That means you're going to pay me a hundred bucks a night when I'm working. And you're also going to pay that guy that's there. And I was just making a cut off everything. Right. And I started okay. kind of making my own business within that, okay. you know, and it was uh, just like patience. What do I need financially? And what is this place bringing me? Well, I've met every musician in Montreal. So when I go to the studio at, at Planet Studios, they always freak out. I'll see, uh, let's say a jazz drummer. His name's Richard Irwin. He'll come and record on some stuff. And they always freak out. I'm like, yo, what's up, Richard? And they're like, how do you know this guy? Like, tell me, how do you know everyone that walks in here? Dude, it's like, it's because I would chill in the back alley with them, drinking and, you know, smoking cigarettes and just like, you know, talking and then they'd get on again, you know? Okay, guys, let's get back on. I got you guys for the sound. Don't, no problem. Just let me know what you need. Oh yeah, Luca, you know, can you just boost up the vocals in my mons? Yeah, okay, right. no problem. And it's like, but I got along with them. We all became brothers, you know? It was really chill. So, you know, that's that's what happened. Yeah. Patience. Right. I think very, very well said. Very well said. I uh, I think that's really important to touch. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. I think it's a very valid way to, to like grow. You know, when you start out, you have to build upon that and I know exactly what you mean and that was like something that was hard for me to accept at the beginning because I was like yo I have three different diplomas am I really gonna just like start because I had like a live audio uh, no uh, audio visual technician position I was like really am I only gonna get paid like this amount of money and then I realized that no you have to start at the bottom no matter how many diplomas you have and uh, it's hard to accept but it's also like the faster you do the better it is for you uh, mm -hmm. yeah for sure it's definitely an investment yeah big time so how did you move from, from live audio into studio so how did you get into planet studios and did the two overlap oh dude okay this is where I, this is why I, i'm also gonna okay. say it's a funny story because it all links my whole life had a link so me being patient and being at the house of jazz i end up meeting uh, i'm doing sound for this band like this r&b band they're like just going crazy right. and i'm driving the board and i'm having a blast this was in laval and they were using like this yamaha o1v board it's like an old board but i love it and i think at school we had an o2r which is a, a version of it so i kind of i was used to like navigating around it's more of a studio board i don't know what it was doing there for life but i was having fun with it and this guy comes up to me jesse and he's like yo man i could tell he's not from here like his accent like was so american mm -hmm. like like african-american he was just like hey man <laughs> i'm like what's going on and he's like uh he's like hey listen man i really like the sound man and like um he's like take my card and he gives me a card and it says studio mecca planet studios i'm like what i'm like okay he's like uh, you should come by the studio sometime i'm at planet studios like uh come check it out I'm like okay cool so i go to planet studios and i meet the owner and I see Jesse and he's like, yo, Dan, this is this is Luca, man. He's the coolest and uh, he's a great sound engineer. I'm telling you, he's going to do big things. And, and Dan was like, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, say, I say that all the time. And uh, <laughs> I remember exactly the moment when I met Dan. It was too funny. So then we go upstairs and there were rooms upstairs and there still are. So we had we had the room upstairs. Now it doesn't exist anymore. That booth, like that, that basically that room that I had was torn down. So this room was like where Jesse's spot was. And he's, he's like, yeah, man, this is what I do. Mm. And I was so like in love I'm like yo what the hell I leave that day he posts on Facebook looking for a studio partner I need help paying rent for a studio spot I got, which was Studio Planet. I called him right away. I said, Jesse, I'll partner up with you. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to partner up with you for the thing. He's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'll produce. It's fine. I'm already producing for my band. Oh, cool, man. And I just partnered up with him. Started paying uh, monthly at the studio. And then that's when I yeah, started working at, well, working, working independently as a producer, actually. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. And so crazy. it all linked. So I was still doing the House of Jazz at the same time. 
And then I left the house of jazz and like, you know, stuff financially wasn't working out. So I left the house of jazz and went to work at an insurance company and I was horrible. I was horrible. I was doing studio and the insurance company. So I was like black under my eyes. I was just so tired. And the company was like, listen, we have to let you go. Like you're exhausted and you you rather be doing studio work. And I remember the manager like crying, like breaking down for like letting me go because she was like, I feel like you're going to do some good things. And I know that we've been holding your back and you're just not fit for this job you can't be this is not for you and so i was like all right cool no problem i'm out wow and she was a life coach as well on the side she had a side gig so that's why she was so emotional about it she was like i need you to mm. really stick to what you like and like you'll be happy doing that and ever since then i've never worked like a, a regular job i just decided that's to amazing do that's time. a blessing yeah yeah ever since kind then of, you know. everything just fell into my laps where, where i would meet certain people and then i started getting on these bigger projects and i got to get better at production because i was lacking a bit because of like you know working two jobs and stuff not really focusing on your craft so yeah yeah of course of course and um how has being at planet over the years advanced you as a music producer i know you said you took on bigger projects but uh, when did you see the growth happen and what was that like the growth didn't happen at planet the uh, planet was making was challenging me they were challenging me constantly because the, the fact that i worked at planet i was like posting online i'm like hey guys you can book studio time with me and this and that and i would do beats but i would also record people and mix people's projects and the beats that i was doing like yeah people liked them because it's like they would say i have my own sound and this and that but i wasn't too happy with it and sometimes it just didn't fly you know like some clients would be like yo I'm not really into this all right cool whatever it doesn't that happens all the time it doesn't matter right. yeah you know but I knew deep down inside I'm like this could be way better like how can I get better at my production game and uh, I just said you know I'm looking for a songwriter okay I'm looking for a songwriter to start pitching songs to you know bigger companies or like uh, for example mm. for sync licensing which means for commercial work you know like in the background of Canadian Tire commercials there's like a song going on you know what oh, I mean? okay, yeah, yeah. Or even just in general for right. artists, because you could always pitch a song. Be like, yo, I think I could hear you on this, you know? Yeah. So when I spoke to this guy at the studio, his name is Jisne, and he's like an incredible engineer. He was like, dude, like, because uh, I was like so down. I was just so, like, not depressed, but just like hard on myself. He's like, dude, you're doing fine. Like, he's like, I hear your stuff. Everything sounds great. What do you complain about? Like, I think I need to just find a songwriter and this and that. He links me up with this girl, Serene, which you've met. And uh, dude, she drilled me. She drilled me. She'd be like, okay, Luca, if we're going to do this, I've been to LA. I met these connections. And all her connections are valid. She's not someone who's just going to talk and say she has all these connections and then nothing comes of it, which I've met. A, like, I can't even say a handful. I've met like a, a tank full <laughs> of like, and that's the first time I'll say that, a tank full. Yeah. Okay. Of just idiots. Okay. So, and she was like any style. So I would do oh, R&B. I would do ballads. I would do folk music. And already I was working with like Chinzia, right? So like we're doing folk and all that stuff. So I already had some things under my fingers and R&B down mm. under my fingers because like that's what I listen to a lot. But we do it, we do it all. So I was getting drilled technically by Serene who's like pushing me and pushing me and pushing me that I was just getting better. And to the point that I had friends that'd be like, I don't know how in one year your production skill went from one level to a whole different level that like now it's like, yo, like you're sounding pro, like mm -hmm. one of the good ones like in Montreal, like you're you're sounding so pro, it's insane. And I was like, oh, dude, thanks. And then I just didn't stop. And then that was it. It was really just sticking to a partner Absolutely. who's gonna just have that moral support for you right and just kind of right like on. push, 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 push. You know. So yeah, that's what happened. So what would you say like are some of the techniques and workflow that you really expanded on? Techniques and workflow mm -hmm. for me, it's like you need to get the vocal sounding good right away. 
no matter how bad the prod is, no matter how good the prod is, make the vocals yeah. first priority because that's what people listen to first. When a song's on, no one cares how cool and how awesome your piano sounds or your kick drum sounds. No one cares. They just want to hear the vocal. And sometimes the vocal determines how good of a quality is your, your song like or is the producer or you know what I mean? Because let's say you listen to a song and it's very experimental. So I'll take James Blake, for example. That was like one of my idols. Like James Blake, his first album yeah. was like, wow. Some stuff sounded so raw and so like badly recorded but you can tell the intent that that's what it was they didn't want to have it perfectly done that way so you, it all depends on the record but the vocals were always so interesting they would sound a certain way that was so cool so people it, it sounds like you took time on it you know as opposed to just yeah let me slap like one compressor and that'll mm -hmm. do the job like i've seen so many people in the studio do that and it's, it's just wrong get the vocals as fast as you can i'm talking like not even five minutes like you got two minutes or three minutes to pull right. up your preset and make sure it sounds super good and like let's go and then the rest just flows it doesn't yeah. matter because then you could tweak your kick drums and start adding elements and this and that as long as the vocals on top of the whole song sounds great then you're good because the song is good you know essentially right. if the song is good no one cares but if you have to make the production super intense and sound right. incredible because the song is lacking that stuff happens a lot you know right so yeah workflow wise i would just say yeah. really speed up on your vocal techniques and like make sure that's like up and that's it because yeah. when, when i think about it your clients are i would venture to say 99.9 .9 like vocalists you know when i was at planet and i saw you like when someone knocked at the door to like oh it's luca there i have a session with luca it was always someone who was gonna do vocals mainly so i understand why that workflow needs to be it has to be perfect from the beginning you know so i can totally understand what you mean by saying well that. exactly like i'm not i'm not in the game to run the studio like a studio anymore right like my spot at planet i don't do that like i'm not gonna be like oh yeah luca i was just wondering if i could like record a thing on top of an mp3 no 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 it's either you work with me because it's your song and like okay. we're doing yeah. this like where we build it together or else i just don't want to do it like it's like that's you where i have your name on that well that's it like that i just even if like let's say i wasn't a, a part of the songwriting if you're coming to me to produce mm -hmm. it then yeah i'm down i'll do i'll make the music all around it let's go it's fun and because i'm right. also going to give some input on that and there's percentages there anyway but like yeah. Really, that's what it is. It's like, it's just having those vocals up and like making sure that the singer, like they want yeah. to be on the record. You know what I mean? It's not way man you know you gotta yeah. wait you gotta wait. It's gonna sound good when it's mixed. Do it now. Just do it now and like make sure it's good. Mm. You know, I tell people all the time, EQ, compress, compress, you're good. Ciao. Like that's <laughs> it. Because <laughs> I put two compressors, two compressors. I put two to three compressors on my vocals. Like that's what I do. That's how I they sound you. good. Yeah, I feel you. I've been uh, experimenting with double compression a lot with vocals uh, lately, and I think that it's the way to go. Like one just that like evens it out, and one that's more musical. You know, sync to the the BPM. You're just like I mean, we could nerd out about that kind of stuff for days. But I mm -hmm. I approve the double compression uh, idea for sure. Oh, yeah. dude, you know what's funny? Like Banks and Ranks, by the way, like another incredible duo in Montreal who work with Sean Paul and Sia. And being in a room with them, I was like, Yo, what do you guys put on your vocals? Like, because I was singing on some stuff for them, and I was like, What do you guys put? And I look, it's just the L two from the Waves. They just crush it on like really yeah that's it they just crush it until it sounds good and that's it and it has its own character I was like really guys what like it was literally yeah. waves tune L two that's it I'm like I love this because like that's how it is in L A man in L A like for vocals man they don't give a shit they're just like let's crank crank until it sounds good and that's when I came back to, from LA I'd have like my friends like at the studio just be like yo dude what are you doing to your vocals they sound interesting you know I'd be like dude I just don't care until it sounds mm -hmm. good so I'll just push 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 the compression until like it's it's ready it sounds like it's ready to go you know and that's it that's what I would do amazing I, I just 
I've been around you long enough to know that you know your stuff, but it's also sitting in on this podcast with you. I feel like I'm learning as I'm talking to you about these different things. It's a, uh, it's great, great to hear. I, I really want to talk about the results of that and specifically the clients that you've uh, worked on. So I'm gonna like let's go just down the line, one client at a time. Tell us about you know what, uh, just highlight you know how you met, uh, just everything uh, and how it, it was for you. So I want to start with this one has a very special place in my heart because it was my first gig as an assistant in Studio Two. And I had to do a recall, and this is a this is Burgundy. Burgundy is a is such a talented artist, and I would love to know uh, your relationship and how you worked uh, with him. Burgundy is like <laughs> he's like a diamond in a rough, like it's crazy. He's like okay, so basically Dan offered me mm-hmm. the contract to do his first song. It's called Sane. It's on Spotify. You guys can check it out. It's very lo-fi stuff, really nice stuff. So we got along like we just kind of I was shooting him ideas and I was like reworking his song right on the spot mm-hmm. with him, and I did this very simple lo-fi prod and he loved it and then he just came back to me and we kept doing demos and demos and demos and demos and then eventually dan was like yo like okay like seems like you guys work really well together so i told dan mm-hmm. like i'll just take this client and like it's all good like he he was like cool with it we had to have a little talk because like you know i'm taking your client so we had a little chat about mm-hmm. it but it's all good yeah. because me and dan work together all the time anyway and the vibe was amazing because then we released like another song which is like crazy beatles yes. influence it's called the uh, cigar in the snow and like if anyone listens to the Beatles, like you'll understand where that influence was. He didn't even want the Beatles influence. He just liked where I was going with it. I was like, yo, like, okay, we're going to do these cool harmonies. I was singing the song parts to him and he was like, okay, let's go. I'll do it. So I just clipped my bass, clipped my guitars, clipped the drums. And I was like, look, and then we, we were freaking out. We really love that song. So it, it's really cool, man. It was really... Um, Very cool. And uh, let's go to uh, Ariane Moffat. Yeah, actually, wait. Side note, side yeah, note. Of course. <laughs> With that song, Cigar in the Snow, it got him signed to a management in, the, in LA. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. nice. They, they loved it. And they just like signed him right away. So I had a talk with him two nights ago. He wants to come into the studio and do some new stuff. So we're going to see what's up. He's such a, I, I mean, and, and if, if you're listening to this Burgundy, like he is such a nice kid, uh, such a people person. And uh, oh, he had this energy to him when he walked into the room. You're, you're just like, I just was yeah. in a better mood right away. You know, this is probably like one of your clients that I knew the most. And I, I, I've seen him multiple times in the studio. And just, I think that that goes so far in this industry. And uh, I, he's going to accomplish amazing things. Going back, Ariane Mafat, uh, tell us about the your work with her Ariane it's funny because I've never been in the studio with her I've never been in a studio with her she just this is how we 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 kind of connected so Tom Lapointe Okay, which we're going to f- come back to mm-hmm. later. If we're going down a list of clients, I'm pretty sure we're going to come back to Tom Lapointe. So Tom Lapointe's a producer from here too. And he works with like Sahame and stuff like that. So Tom was like, yo man, we need this song. Something vraiment, like just pop, like just straight to the point, pop. And that's it for a TV show. I'm like, okay. So I literally okay. start playing the guitar in front of him. And he said, tube, which apparently is a French expression, meaning like that's going on the radio, tube. It's, it's like dope. He's like, tip, tip. Like, you just say tip, man. Like, that means it's dope. Okay. So, start playing the guitar. Pure, typical pop riff. And he's like, okay, tip, let's go. We recorded the instrumental. I started, like, airdropping him samples. Like, just me doing, like, drum loops and stuff like that. Samples, 808s, whatever. And then I left. The session was two hours. Not even. The, the songwriting mm. of it was, like, 20 minutes. And then the session and all was, like, two hours. I leave. Next time I come back, I'm like, yo, like he's showing me the song. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, who's that voice? And he's like, oh, look, Ariane Mafat sang on top of the song. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> I was like, I was like, 
Because because <laughs> I sent I sent him a demo of me singing, but like uh, mumbling the track and like what I think the melody could be on top of that whole instrumental. And he was like, "Yeah, that's yeah. that's perfect." And so he sent it to her, and she wrote on it. And so there's like Ariane Mafat. There's I think uh, this other guy. Oh my god, I forgot. There's a bunch of people on that track. There's just like a bunch of people on that track. Sarah May's on that track. You know, it's like a big collaborative track. So it's really wow. dope. Like they were singing my melody wow. that I wrote. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's go. So that's fun. Wow. That was really fun. That is that's funny. Yeah, so well what sucks is that the song isn't on any platform but YouTube, which I was like, oh really guys? Come on, man. Like spit on Spotify. So maybe later on, who knows? I don't know what they're gonna do. So your involvement with with the Ariamafa was the same as Sarami in that case? No, Sarami, I was with her in the studio. Okay, so you got to interact a little bit. Yeah, Ariane Mafat, what's funny is that I was like in my studio session with someone else and then I saw her walking in planet, like walking around. So I get out of the room. I'm yeah. like, Ariane, hey, it's Luca. She's like, ah, Luca, yeah, hey, how's it going? I've heard a lot about you. And yeah, like we mentioned the song. And so we were talking, you know, about that. And so I met her like in the hallways. You know, that was the only way I could like talk to her. Or else like I've never had a studio session with her. Sarame was with, again, Tom Lapointe. It's like his main gig is Sarame and Leonie Gray. So those are his two artists. And so he just needed some like production. He's like, yo, like we're going to do some beats. We're going to go up north with Sarame and we're going to make some beats for her. Okay, cool. I show up with beats already prepared. And she wasn't too crazy about like, I know, I, I think I showed one beat that I was like, yo, I think you'd be great on it. She really liked it. But then like we had to make stuff on the spot. And so I made yeah. some stuff on the spot and they were loving it and this and that. One of them was the song that she released with that crazy video. It's called Elle est partie. And so we basically just made a bunch of beats, man. We stayed the whole day and I left and they stayed like, I think three days I stayed one. And next thing you know, I have three songs on the album. I was like, all right, cool. Let's go. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't write the songs with her. It was just like strictly... Just make right, some right. beats, you know. Mm -hmm. Moving on to someone you did write songs with, and I know that, and uh, another fantastic human being, uh, Chinzi and the Eclipse. I would love to know uh, how you two met and everything, because that you two have a very, very, very special bond that uh, I got to witness at the studio. And it was, uh, you know, she's obviously a super, super talented musician who's dedicated to her craft. So I would love to hear more about that. Chinzi is like my my day one super, super friend, super, I don't know what, just like we're just super tight, man. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about our relationship because musically, when we get in a room, it's like, let's go. Like we get, we just like push the pedal and we're, we're, we're all in, you know, and we don't care about, I was very adamant about doing stuff that's a little more radio-ish, that stuff that's like going to be a little more pop. But most times we don't care. We're just like, whatever comes out is going to sound like Chinzi and the Eclipse. So it's like, you know, that's the vibe, which is okay. Cool. The way it happened was that I've known Chinzi since she was like, I think she was like 12 and I was like, what, 16 or maybe 15 when I met her? She was my best friend's neighbor. So we'd, mm. go, we'd all hang out. because wow, Yeah, because I went to school. We all went to Pearson. We all went to the same school in Montreal North. So mm. she basically, her older sister was in my grade and we'd chill with her a lot. And so she'd be like always in her room singing with uh, just playing guitar. And I was, I swear to God, I would tell her. I would be like, yo, like this girl's got like a great voice. I would tell her sister all the time, like, yo, your sister's got a great voice. Like, it's really cool. And then mm -hmm. fast forward, like, I don't know, I think I was like 24 when I met her uh, again, like on Facebook. I was like, yo, how about you come to the studio? And then she recorded her song, No Matter. And I remember telling her like, yo, I still need to mix it or whatever. Because it was okay. just, I just played electric guitar at the same time that, that she was singing the song. 
So we were like, you know, just together recording. And that was our first session. Right. And she leaves the studio. I print the song. That's it. Send it to her. I, w- I was assuming it's the demo and we're going to work on the production. But she drops the song. She just like puts it on Spotify. Four million plays later. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, no way. What? I'm like, yo, I, I wasn't done. And she's like, oh, I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were done. I thought we were done. Like you could, you could hear that like there's mistakes oh, on the guitar. God. It doesn't matter. Just people didn't care. People were like, this is the song. Like the, mm-hmm. I guess the people listening you know what i mean it's like yeah it doesn't matter the song's good leave it alone you know a good song will stand on its own so that's it yeah very true four million on spotify dude yeah she has hella numbers yeah only spotify we don't know what we don't know what's on the other ones i can't tell on uh, on spotify and apple music i remember you having a conversation with me about how you met chinzia planet where she was with a band and you could tell that like the people that were around her were like not as dedicated as her and you kind of had a conversation with her about like you know if you want to do this like we should really really do this and i was wondering if you could like maybe elaborate on that on like being able to see when people are into the music and are ready for this and educating them in that sense because i think that's such a powerful thing that you can do because you've been doing audio and music production for so long that you can just tell well the thing is like we go through that all the time because i'm extremely picky i'm I'm not no i'm not picky i'm just like i can tell if you actually listen to the song and and you're playing it properly because you would like come up to me and be like hey luca like by the way when you recorded this on the guitar like what settings were you using how can we get that set like you'd be more Mm -hmm. involved so like i would see like her first band just kind of playing the chords like simplified or you know just kind of playing the song in their own way and it's like, hey, dude, like, that's not how it's played on the record. Play the song the way it is. Because Chinzi, has a, yes, she's the band leader, but she's mm-hmm. not, her job is not to tell you what to, like, yes, it is in a sense to tell you what to do, but like, you should be coming prepared. You know, like, I, I yeah, remember 100%. I had to tell her band that she has now recently that I, like, I saw them playing Runaway, which is on the radio. Runaway's on the radio. We got that that on, on the beat. So that song, if you're going to play it, just kind of like, Runaway, Runaway. Uh, 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 you're not doing it right and so I had to tell them I was like guys like, don't make a simplified version of it mm-hmm. there's a lot of drum work in that song mm-hmm. that like it's really a lot of you know what I mean it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, there's more rhythm to it there's more uh, you know it's like you gotta go and like it creates more tension and, and like just you know it rocks out so it's little things like that I mean what's really cool is that no one thinks I'm a hard ass because I'm not and when I say it they're all like and then I'll show them an example in front of them and they're like yo dude what a difference because we just jammed it that way and it's like yeah we understand how it is on the record it's like yeah dude like just listen to it you know yeah. if you have to think of like a 50s kind of two-step let's say with runaway it's really that so yeah runaway so it's like that's really right. what i'm doing you know it's like it's just little examples it's like i'm not i'm not a hard ass but it's really just yeah i want people to just get it right because i've i've been in corporate bands where if i didn't come prepared and i don't know lady gaga's song well i was screwed and i'm not getting paid you know what i mean it's like yeah 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 for sure. That's the school. That's what I was kind of brought up on. So Yeah. Well, okay. So we also have, I also wanted to talk to you about Mae Wells because you recorded a few tracks with her. Mae Wells is also a very good friend of mine. I've known Mae Wells for a long time because she was in the Garlics. I was in a band called All Day Dreamers back in the day. And um, we'd play shows together. She, I would be opening up for the Garlics or she'd be opening up for us. It was like, just like, I think we've done a few shows. And one day I'm at Pitsy okay. Campus. And I'm watching Flara K, which is a band that I produced. And Mae Wells is there. 
She's just hanging out. Okay. And I'm yeah. like, mate. And she's like, hey, Sabo. And I'm like, yo, I, I produce these. And she's like, why, Jesse? And then, and then we just started talking and talking. She's like, listen, like, I really would love to work on some stuff with you. And I was like, I am super down. Like, I told her straight, like, I think this is going to be really fun. And so we did. Yeah. And we did really two cool songs together. And she's a beast in the studio. So, like, May is not a technically good, like, producer. Like, meaning she's not going to go on the computer and start running commands in Logic and Ableton and start yeah. doing things. But she's on the old school side where it's like, okay, Luca. And she's had, she's had so much experience with her old producer, John Nathaniel, who's like a beast and, and someone who's well known in Montreal now. He works with uh, One Republic. So it's like, yo, the guy's done his fair share. So she'll say stuff like, okay, cool. Now that we have the guitar and bass down, we need something that's going right. to hit those frequencies like on the high end. You know, so Luca, how about violence? She loves classical music. She's so classically trained that she looks at every song. It To her, a good production yeah. is kind of classically influenced. Would be a full production. I don't want to say to her that a good production is that. It's just like a full production. Something that's like really has all the elements. It has to be kind of classically built so that those low frequencies, okay, well, we got the bass down. We got maybe a cello part. Yeah. The vocals are really low in that section. Everything's kind of hugging each other there. That's great. But now it can't just be like that in that section. We're going to have to fill it up with little fills of violins or vocal effects that are right. going to give the frequencies or a guitar part. You know, and May is very much like that. So, and I, and I thought about this too. Every artist that I work with, yes, they're mostly females, but mm. they bring in their personality and they make it reflect in a song. So it's like they mirror their personality is like a big mirror on the song, or the song is a mirror to their personality. So May, when she walks into a building, you know May yeah, Wells is yeah, in the building. 100%. Like, yeah, oh, she's vibrant, she's very opinionated, and she's strong, yes. and she's like, you talk to her, and you're you're sucked into a, a whole world of what's going on with May Wells, you know. Okay. And yeah. that's what she does in her in her music. In her music, you listen to it. There's so much happening all around you, kind of like atmosphere mixing where it's like it's all around you there's so much going on and it all makes sense and it's all perfectly structured which is like may wells you know and it's very in your face this is what we're doing even if it's a, if we're doing a ballad with may wells which we did we did an acoustic version of one of her songs everything is so detailed everything is there for a reason it's not just there because okay we just shot that in there it's there for a reason and that's what's amazing about may is that she puts her own personality into it and i realized that i thought about that the other yeah. day it's like every artist that i work with does that so if i talk about chinzi if i go back chinzi is such a like a kind, uh, not to say that May Wells isn't mm. kind, but to say like Chinzia is like so soft-spoken. And even though she can get super hyper sometimes, she's soft-spoken. She, she'll jump up and down in, in like attitude like of like just like going like super hyperactive to like back down to mellow. And then sometimes she's sad if she's going through some stuff. Her music is exactly like that. You, listen, you go track by track. It's either going to be a really sad ballad or it's going to be something really hype or it's going to be, you know, it's like in the middle. And that's what I realized. And I thought I started thinking about it. Like, man, like really these songs that I work on with every artist is a clear reflection of their personalities. Yeah. Yeah, for Unless sure. maybe that's me who gets that out of them. I don't know. But I feel like they stay true to themselves. Every person that I work right. with. Right. I mean, that's what it that's what a good yes. artist does. Yeah. What can you tell us about uh, Sarah Diamond? Oh man, Sarah Diamond is someone who <laughs> someone who <laughs> so I've always good. wanted to work with and I was a fan of before working with her. Yeah, so I was okay. like, when I first met her, she was writing for a, uh, this artist, Rev. So I don't know if you, like, if you guys are fans of, like, FIFA or, like, you probably hear it on the radio already. Yeah. That, that yeah, song, yeah. like, Control, out then delete them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that song, it's on the FIFA video game now, but uh, it's on the radio right now, like, crazy. And I was there when they were making that song. Like, I was in the room, I was doing my own stuff, but I wasn't in the room with them making that song. Okay. Sarah was there also writing other songs for Rev. And... I saw her there and I'm like, yo, Sarah, like my name's Luca. I was so shy, man. 
I was so shy. I was like, you know, she's like, yeah, you're Luca the producer. We follow each other on Instagram. I've heard some of your stuff. <laughs> oh, thanks. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, and I started nerding out. I'm like, yeah, I've been listening to your stuff since you were working with my buddy Noah. She's like, oh, you know Noah? I'm like, yeah, he's in LA right now, but you guys did this song, you know, uh, Missing You. I was na name dropping freaking the titles of her tracks. And I'm like, Luca, stop talking right now because you sound like an idiot. <laughs> and like, <laughs> so she was like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. And then Banks and Ranks was like, yo, you guys guys need to work together because I think Luca is he's got the LA R&B sound that you're looking for and she's like yeah I'm down so I'm like okay Sarah send me some like references I prepped like a bunch of vibes oh no two vibes in that style of like reference one was very pop one was super R&B we did the very pop one which I love it but it's a demo now and we gave it to someone else we don't know what's happening with that song but the other song was a song all right that she just dropped so yeah that, that was it it was just like she fell in love with it and then now we're just like super tight we're really cool and we just do songs together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, she, I was lucky enough to be uh, an assistant when Rev and Sarah came around the studio and they have, once again, it's one of those people who are so captivating with their energy and so talented and, and hardworking and seeing them work with Banks and Ranks, you know. I was on like food duty, yes, but like I got to hear a little bit here and there in the hallways and, and I'm around such talented and hardworking people. It, it, it was so motivating and yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, that was that was a hell of a week, man. They were they were like making songs after songs and you're like, guys, like the writing on this was amazing. Like and and it's because Rev and Sarah write so well together that it's so fast. There's no problem. So when you have like good songwriters in the room, the prod just like does itself. The prod is just going like, okay, cool. Let's go. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. the song's yeah. great. I, I remember having to stay at the studio like overnight, you know, like I'm talking like wee hours of the morning and I was like, you know what? You have to be here because these songs are going to be so good and it's worth you not sleeping right now. You know what I mean? Like I, I was just so in it and I was exactly. like, if I can just support them just by letting them be there longer. Like I will do that because like, and, and the, the proof's in the pudding with that, with the, uh, control all didn't delete them being such a great song and doing amazing numbers out there so very very inspiring uh, people to, to big, work with big numbers yeah yeah a hundred percent um so i'm gonna ask uh, about one that I, I i don't think i interacted with this one um lillian de francesco yeah lily uh lillian so um She's uh, she's amazing because uh, she basically, her and her father, they were looking for a new producer because she was working with the same producer as Mae Wells. Which that guy, John Nathaniel, I, I think he's so incredible, but for some odd reason, I'm getting a lot of his clients. <laughs> so, um, so John, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's really awesome because he has like the coolest clients. I don't know, his, his A&R skills are incredible. But I have to have a conversation with him at one point to just be like, yo, dude, like you're incredible. Like also, I've been working a lot with your people and it's really awesome. No, it's not, it's not really yeah. a sorry thing because he's, he can't, I don't know, he's probably just reached this other level now that he's yeah. like incredibly busy. He okay. can't do that. So Lily was just, she just finished making like that album with him and it was really good. It did such good things for her. And so we started kind of going into a different style with her and I started mm. kind of going darker, like poppier right. stuff, but still kind of on the dark realm. And um, the project got picked up by Universal Canada. Wow. So that was my first like signing with a major label. It was like insane. I was like, okay. Let's do it. And the songs were just like really cool. And we and our demos are banging, like really cool. So she should be dropping one of her originals that we did together soon. Right it's on. a ballad. And it's really nice. Like I'm really excited about this drop. It's going to be cool. So yeah, no, Lily's just, just a really cool person. Her too. Like she's a, quite the character as a human being. She's just like up and down attitude. Go crazy. Like she's nuts. She's wild. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right on. And um, okay, what about Ampus? Ampus, I, I I got to hear whispers of a little bit. Oh, Ampus is coming through. And I don't think I was actually around when that occurred. 
But tell us about uh, your collaborations with him. Well, Impost is like a, he's a legend in Montreal, <laughs> like in Quebec. He's yeah. a legend. He's like, he's he was in Mazayan, which they were huge in like, I think in the 90s and the early 2000s, they were huge. And so I got asked by a friend, a mutual friend named Roma. And he was like, uh, yo, dude, like Impost needs like a guitar player. Could you play guitar for him? I said, yeah, no problem. So I went to like the jam and then we connected so well. We clicked really well. And he's like, yo, let me hear some stuff. So I started playing him some hip hop beats and he was like loving everything he was hearing so then I started working with him we have some stuff coming up that's like unreleased like this week I'm I'm gonna go see him on Friday and we're gonna be working on some stuff it's really cool like I'm really excited for that that camp so we're gonna be finishing up his album right on that's amazing I'm I'm excited to hear more of his stuff for sure he's really really dedicated to his I know I'm saying that's the awesome. same things about all, all these artists but I think it's the kind of thing where like if you're on this list and you're working with you you know you have to be a driven person you can't be a rapper who comes up with a, a YouTube link and he's like oh YouTube to mp3 this for me I'm gonna rap over this you know it, it, it takes that caliber of hard work and dedication to you know to, yeah. to do all these things so exactly. absolutely okay I am so curious to know because I know Carnet is a very a very involved with Planet and uh, everything I is Planet uh, <laughs> what was your your collaborations with him exactly Carnet I met a long time ago well it was kind of like a situation where I was offered this gig to work with another artist that Carnet was working mm. with so he was writing for him and then we just started like so I was doing the music behind it and you know I was with Jay Jay Lafive we were doing it together and me and Jay just like just literally very version after version just like for like this specific artist that was writing with Carnet Carnet was really into it and he was really loving the vibe but then I think that that project didn't fall through I think something happened with the label they didn't tell me what happened but it was just like okay it doesn't matter Years later, I meet I meet Carnet again at uh, Planet Studios again, and like they're working on his stuff. And finally, I'm slowly getting introduced to Carnet. So it's like, hey, Luca, listen, like, can I grab your number? I want to talk to you about a few things. Okay, cool. And then we kind of nothing would happen. I'm like, okay. And then he'd be like, hey, Luca, uh, listen, I'm doing like a performance in France. I need like a mashup of all my my hits, like these three hits that I have. Okay, cool. So I do a quick little mashup for him. He sings on top of it. Comes in the studio. He's recording, recording, recording we're doing like layers and backup vocals and if you work with Carnet you have to be quick on your DAW I've heard that there is Carnet. no yeah we've had this yeah. conversation with yeah with Jacob and Juan they tell us about this but please go, go in depth about that I would love to hear your take on that dude you gotta be you gotta be on point because I, I was like okay it's Carnet make sure these instrumentals fade in very nice to each other and vocals I'm like I'm using Logic I am not gonna screw this up I'm not gonna go into Ableton and try to be some fancy do some fancy work because it's stupid you would not do vocals in Ableton especially the, the version I have. So I just started stacking, stacking, stacking layers with him. And I had to redo, I had to redo an mm. instrumental for him. One of his old tracks, okay. which is called um, Avec Class. It's called Avec Class. He's like, Luca, I don't have access to the instrumental anymore. Would you be down to just redo it? I was like, yeah, no problem. So I spent like, I think it took me maybe two, three hours to just like really get it down and everything in the feel to be right because they got like this, like the bass is like almost ridiculous on this song. It's like a real bass player, church guy. You could tell he's a church boy playing all these like, just like amazing fills on every chord. And I'm like, dude, okay. And here I am, like, I'm like that night, I'm like, where's my bass? Oh, it's at the studio. So I start programming the whole thing. And then I did it and I showed it to him and he was freaking out. He's like, dude, this sounds way better. He's like, it's punchier. It's, it has more of a modern kind of hit to it. He was like really happy. And now he's like making mm. me work with uh, Clairel, which is like an artist that's from here. He's a folk singer. He's amazing. R&B folk. 
We're going to end up working together this year and finishing up some projects together, and it's going to be really dope. He he really trusts me in terms of like production. Now it's right, like, right. I'm wondering if I'm going to be doing some stuff with him like for his own project. I really hope so. Yeah, okay. Right on. And then yeah. I want to know more about, because you said everything would go back to this person, Tom Lapointe. Yes, Tom is the best. He's a beast producer. He'll come to me for, I guess, like a modern flair on things. The way I process things, like Jacob said it, he told me once, I'm like, I don't really understand sometimes when people say like, yo, Luca, like this sounds crazy. Like uh, to me, because I'm used to hearing my own stuff, I'm mm. like, I don't think it's that great. Like I'll just be like under my breath, like, oh, shit. like I don't think it's good. And then I'll have like people in the room go, dude, this sounds crazy. And then I asked Jacob, he's like, dude, mm-hmm. it's because you process things differently than we do. He's like, I don't know what you do, what you're processing, but you do something that sounds right. original and it sounds like you. And I was like, oh, okay. So I try to figure that out for a while. But then, yeah, Tom just kind of does the same thing with me. He'll, he'll shoot me like a song. Let's say like he'll send me like just the top line. Actually, one of the Sarah May tracks. So this is what happened. Tom was working on this song called Bienvenue dans ma vie and it's like the drums weren't there. Mm-hmm. The Something was not right. So I went crazy on the okay. track. I went insane on the track. I just like spent like a good three hours just kind of making 808 glide going crazy on this track making it bounce more sent it back to him and all I get as a text message was Tib <laughs> and like that's my really that's my relationship with him like I love it like and now Tuesday I'm like for example Tuesday I'm coming in he'll be like he told me he's like we're gonna do something that's gonna go on the radio it has to be like I'm telling you Luca I, I only want to spend an hour and a half on it and then you leave I was like okay cool that's my relationship with him we get in the studio we get it done and no joke it's efficient and no joke I don't think I'm, I'm correct when I say this but on his projects he's I think the only co-producer so far that has brought me like royalty checks that I'm like yo okay dude this is for what we did with Sarame yeah man oh okay and then yo what this is the Ariane track yeah man oh okay like right. I'll, I'm like getting royalty checks like that are out of nowhere and I'm like this is because of that song and That's I'll be like that. dude wow okay cool and you're like That's okay cool it's like a couple hundred bucks that you're like what alright cool mm-hmm. and they just they just keep coming so you're like okay man like we're making like you know good money on this song this, this stuff you know and it's really cool and it's yeah. like it's it's awesome it's a really cool feel and like you know soon like another person that's like Tom Lapointe is Domino you've met Domino Jayanne I'm pretty sure you have Domino yeah come on I don't know if you guys heard that song on the radio there uh, light me up with your lightning light me up it's I like all over much radio to be honest yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So you could show me the way light me up it's like really cool anyways Domino he's like a huge like huge huge producer from here and like yeah he, he's like a DJ first you know and he's just like okay. He does festivals. He did like huge festivals here. I think it's Sonic this year. And uh, man, like that's what we're working on right now. Is like we're, we're kind of working on catalogs for artists, for specific artists that we're getting. And like he'll be like, yo, Luca, I need this. I need a few hours with you. We're going to do this type of vibe mm-hmm. for this artist. And then he goes out, he goes and pitch it to them. He's like the best salesman that I've ever met. And so that's what we're doing. Okay. So it's kind of like the Tom Lapointe way, but Tom, it's weird. Tom, it's like everything has to be done in a span of like two hours max. He doesn't want you there longer. Right. He doesn't want to waste your time. You know, and not that Domino wastes my time. We have a blast because he's like my brother. I love him. So um, it's just like two different ways of working. It's it's weird. Everything's super rushed with one end. And then the other side, it's like we're chilling and we're making music. (laughs) We're just having a really good time. That's So yeah. Yeah, man. One of the artists I saw on your list that I found really interesting was 1990V. 1990V? Oh, man. 
It's I mean, interesting because uh, I went to high school with this person. Oh wow! I mean, we didn't, really? we weren't friends or anything, but like, we definitely knew each other, and I, I found it really cool to see that. Well, the thing is, he recently rebranded. I think he's going to be going yeah. under Gabby. Yeah, exactly. We did a track called "Aim for the Head," Aim and it was head. like really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It's like R and B vibes, and we got this girl from LA to sing on it, and it was really cool. Him, it's like I think I just hit him up, just being like, "Dude, I really like your stuff." Like, you know. Yeah, and it's definitely. really dope. Yeah, he's really nice. And like, yeah, I I don't know, like 1990V, man, he's just the type of guy that's like, he would send me songs and be like, yo, I did something on this prod. I don't think it's that great. Like, I hate my beats. And then I would totally revamp the song because I would just, at that point, I have an acapella. And it's like, okay, I can go anywhere I want. So I'd send it it back to him and he'd be like, dude, what the hell Mm -hmm. is this? Like, I remember him tripping out. (laughs) Like, insane. Like, he was loving it. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's just been a wild ride with like that kid especially. He's just too fun. I think we can say that we have a really small world because another artist that you worked with, someone in that group I went to high school with, I'm, I'm talking about the What If Elephants. I went to school with uh, Joey Langlois and I've known him since like 2010. It's such a small world. I can't believe uh, it crossed my mind just now when you were talking about the high school with 1990V. Yeah, tell us about What If Elephants and your collaborations with Joey's group. Oh man. So when I was in a band called The Vare, okay, not to toot our own horns, but we were like coming up pretty fast in Montreal. We were like, we're playing Festival de Tides Quebec. We're winning almost every battle of the bands. We were freaking mm. out. We're like not cocky. We were just right. like, why do people like us? Like <laughs> we were weird. We were just weird, you know? And one of the bands that would open up for us or we would open up for them was What If Elephants. And I swear to you, I was always jealous of What If Elephants. I told him. And you know what's funny is that Joey told me he was jealous of us. And I was always jealous of them because they sounded so good, so pro. All their gear was expensive. We'd show up with a Yamaha <laughs> kid's keyboard. No joke. Wow. Yamaha like kid keyboard. Like this is the, your beginner day one keyboard. And that was our synth. Like it sucked. And we had our guitars and everything, no tracks were running. And like Joey, they'd come fully prepared. Like they were all audio engineers in their band. Like most of them, I think. Deadly combination right there. They are, dude. No, they're deadly. That's why their stuff sounds like incredible. Yeah. You listen to some of their mixes, you're like, dude, come on. And so one day Joey was like, yo, I don't know if you'd be able to flip this song. Mm -hmm. Is that what's going on? It was our first lockdown. So the first lockdown in March of 2020. He's like, I have this song. It's called Sugar Daddy. I don't think you can flip it. Like we're just so done with it. I'm like, dude, send me any song you guys want me to work on and I'm down. So he sent me a list and that was the song again. Like I'm like, no, I'm sorry, but like Sugar Daddy, like that shit's dope. And he's like, okay, look, I'll send you the, the stems and you do what you want. And then I sent it back to him and he's like, dude. I, I like I, ne- I never heard it produced in this way and now it like opened my eyes so he grabbed everything I did and he continued producing the song and then they finally released it mm. and it was really cool man because I really love that song and they did a music video for it so it was like I made him kind of fall back in love with the song and I, and I was like well there you go job well done yeah you know it's it's really cool for that to happen. That's awesome. Yeah, you obviously have a lot of clients, and you've had a lot of clients in the past, and you're gonna have many more in the future. How do you go about making clients? Uh, it depends. So it goes from something that I, I fight with all the time with myself is that I do a lot of word of mouth. So while I'm working with a client, I'm posting on Instagram on the story when they tag me, and you know I'll have like people like send me like those emojis where they're like, "Yo, sick, you guys are working together, dope." And then what happens is that, hey, yo, I was wondering, I saw you were working with this person i was wondering if we could and i'm like yeah cool send me some stuff send me your demos yeah and if i if i like the demos and if i like their voice or whatever then i'm like yeah let's do it if i'm really not into it i'm not gonna do it it really depends like 
There's like in the past, I've done moves where, like, as a producer, sometimes you know you got to take in some work or else you're gonna go hungry, right? So like, you know, I've yeah. done some stuff yeah, that I'm course. like, yeah, you know, it's like you got to do it. It's like it's part of your job and you're making the artist happy. So there was some jobs where you're like, oh man. Have you ever turned any down? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've turned some people down. I, it's either I, I feel bad saying it, but I've ghosted people, oh, or man. I've I've this was in the past. Now I'm more like. Send me what you have, and then I'll listen to it. I'll be like, yo, honestly, I don't think I'm the right guy for this. Like, I'll tell them straight, like, okay. I don't think I could do this style. And then they'll be like, okay, cool, totally. totally and then I'll, like, if, let's say, it's, like, a style that I know I can't do, then I'm like, okay, like, I'll send it to, like, someone else. Mm. But if the artist, it's like, they're just not, they're not cutting it. Like, their vocals are really weak or whatever. And, and it's, like, someone who's like, I'm just starting out. Yeah. I'm starting out type of thing. It's like, it really depends. If if I hear something in there that I'm like, yo, I think I could, uh, I think I could work with this. This is really cool. Like, we right, could do right, something right. fun. Then I'm going to take it. If, I, if I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's just not going to work, then I won't take it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes yeah. sense. I mean, better to do a great job than accepting a job that you're not familiar with the style. And Well, that's it. Like, I mean, or I'll take like, let's say if an artist wants to do EDM, you know, like some big banging in EDM. Yeah. Then I'm going to do it and I'm going to have it like reviewed by like my producer peers that I trust. Like I'll go to my buddy Simon, Simon Schuyler, and he'll be like, he'll tell me like, yo, dude, change those claps. Those claps are super dated. Switch to these ones or, um, you know, your side chain isn't modern. It's like probably like too heavy. So you're going to dial it down. Like I remember there was one track I did for Jad, actually, Jad uh, Ephemer, okay. the track I did, uh, I think Jayan, you've heard it. Well, uh, I think Jayan, you 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 were there. It's just that the song is called If I Might. But that song, I was like heavy side chaining the whole like the synths okay. like too much. And he was like, do 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 don't fit your solo on EDM. Like we don't do that. We gotta you gotta dial it down to like seventy five percent. I'm like, really? That's the difference. He's like, yeah, it's mm. stupid, but that's what it is. I was like, okay. So I did it. I listened. I'm like, oh, okay. He was right. Yeah. So like you know, it's like little things that he'll help me out with. Yeah. It's all technicalities. How do you manage the financial side of your clientele, like Bill? We're talking about royalty checks and everything. Like, what's your philosophy and how do you approach that entire side of your business? So basically, I give them a rate. I'll say this is what it is per song. And what you're getting in this song is that you're going to get your, your studio time. We're going to record you. You're going to get the mix. You're going to get the master. But the master, to me, I always tell them, right. master's optional. I do not consider myself a mastering engineer, even though I master my own stuff. Okay. So the mastering is like, if you're not happy with it, or if I feel like... We're going to need some outside ears on this. I spent way too much time on it. Yeah. Well, then we're going to, you right. know, we're going to send it out and it's on them. But like, that's it really. It's like I give a full package type of thing, you know, because like I, it's better that way. And they realize like, and I'll tell them like, just don't over exaggerate on the time that it takes to like finish a song because I'll tell someone, okay, it's it's X amount of dollars. And then they're just like, oh, perfect. And then what happens, for example, and I'm not going to name drop, I have a song with an artist that it's totally unpaid for. And it's from like the beginning of the year last year. No, summer, summer last year. And I'm just like, okay, so we're not going to move on with it. And it's like, no, 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 I want it. I want it. It's just, you know, they're going through their own things, which is totally fine and acceptable. But those types of things I don't like, like it has to be like on a normal time frame because now it's like, you got to be respectful too. It's like, I'm trying to eat, for example. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You can't just be delaying people like that, right? But like when it's someone that I know closely what they're doing, because I, I build a relationship with artists where it's a good thing and a bad thing. We become friends. We, we, we're super chill. Sure. And it's like, so it's like, I know what personally they're going through. So I'll let that slide and it's fine. Okay. You know? But it's like with people that I don't know, I'm not going to, yeah. you know, there's a time limit. I'm going to tell them in a month, like we're done, you know? Yeah. Towards the beginning, when I started mixing and stuff, I got so many people telling me, oh, I'll pay you an exposure. And I'm like, dude, 
exposure doesn't doesn't feed me. Dude, I, I get that. I get it to this day, man. Let's talk more on hardest challenges that you've had in your career so far. Because you've done so much and you've grown a lot. I'm sure there must have been like I'm talking like if you want to be open, like I, I to what expense you would you want to be open? Like what has been the hardest challenge for you? It could be emotionally, it could be like whatever, whatever it is. Like what was the hardest moment for you? Well, it's like kind of realizing sometimes like the challenge is sometimes it's like look, you're not the guy for the for the job. You're not the guy for the song, and it hurts. It hurts yeah. a lot because I try I pride myself to be like for every artist to work with me. You know, like to be like happy. You know, but sometimes it doesn't happen in that way because you guys have both like different personalities and and you know it's just not working it's like dating a girl that like yo ça marche pas dude like it's not you guys are just totally different and yeah. it's like that's what it is at the end of the day it's it's a relationship yeah sometimes the labels get involved where they're like look like the artist loves it but you know the label right now we like it but something about the production isn't there and we're, we don't know what it is mm-hmm. and then they make you flip and flip and flip and flip and then the song sounds yeah. horrible and then they're like we like it and you're like what I don't like it at all. And I yeah. have to accept that. And it's like, okay, great. That work that I know my peers are going to be like, you produced that, dude? And, and I'll yeah. be like, dude, like, I don't want to talk about it. It's not normal to me that version one that I did with the artist, they're in love with. And then the label comes in and they're like, we're on version 10. And they're like, uh, why no, ça c'est parfait. I love it. And you're like, great. I can't, I, I can't do this. Yeah. I, you know, it makes me sad in a way. It's like, it's like, okay, great. You know, it's like, I'm happy, you're happy. And that's the vibe. Yeah, for sure. Could you maybe tell us what have been your best moments? Oh, man. Well, every session that goes really well, those are the best moments. That's it okay. for me. It's like I don't have like a, a best moment in live, a best yeah, yeah, moment yeah. in audio. It's if everything went well. That's really what it is. That's the best moment. I could walk right. out and just be like, yeah. when people are like, dude, like, how did you flip this song like that? How did you, or how did you save the freaking show? Like, that's insane. It's like, how did you save that? How did you know that to troubleshoot right. that? How did you work that board so well? I don't know. It's like, those are, those to me are the best moments. I don't really have a best moment type of thing. I'm hoping this year there's going to be like a award ceremony or something where I'll get something for something I did. I feel like I've worked brainlessly <laughs> on like so many <laughs> records where you're just like working tired is like non-stop that I'm like okay like I hope there's some yeah. type of recognition yeah. but you know when I talk to my buddies about it they're like dude who cares about those awards no one cares about them anymore because at the end of the day if you're able to like just survive while doing what you love then that's the mm-hmm. best award right so it's like oh yeah you're right I just want it you yeah. know what I mean I just want it yeah. because I need it there it's little it's check nice marks feeling. that I have that I need yeah so as a, as a producer what is your ultimate end goal what's your What's your goal? Oh, man, to, to be able to just continue doing what I do until yeah. I retire. Like, that's really, that's the end goal. I don't think there is a retirement when you're a producer. You, you kind of, this is it, <laughs> you know, until, until like there's no more work because the AIs and yeah. the bots are going to get involved and they're going to start making music for people. I mean, AI is a completely different thing altogether. I think it's quite some time before our jobs are replaced by AI. I agree. I totally agree. But it's just like, you know, I always say that. I'm like, yeah, until a robot starts taking my job, I'll be here. And then I'll work somewhere else in something else that I'm into. Like, I swear, I'm, I, I wish I could own an antique store. Like, that, that I would love. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I, I would like to know, as someone who has done live audio and studio work, how would you compare and contrast the two? Because they are very different, but they are also quite similar. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would treat live 
as like a studio mixing environment. So what I would do live, I was making moves live to like uh, bring out vocals, for example. So I'm always talking and mixing, by the way. I'm not really yeah. talking about like workflow because that's Jacob. I'm pretty sure you could like, I'm pretty sure on Jacob's side of the podcast, yeah. like, you know, it's like, it's all there. But um, I'm more on the mixing side of just like really like rolling off high end on those guitars because I need vocals to pass. I like to parallel compress my vocals live, even though they might feed, they yeah. won't because I rang out the system and made sure that there's no feedback you know what i mean it's like there's these little things that yeah. i was doing with jacob yeah. actually we were mixing chinzia live not too long ago at a private party and like okay. he, he was letting me take over on the x32 and he's like dude why would you why would you do that like and i'm just like oh dude you'll see and then i would push like the vocal and he's like oh shit okay 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 yeah. so like we're doing little things like that eqing reverbs something that like people don't ever do it's like super important you know just little moves so yeah. i i tend to treat both the same in a weird way it's hard for me to explain it properly, but that's what I do. I just treat them the same way. No, no, but I see what you mean. I, I see what you mean, though. Like, what you've done in mixing, you can apply to live audio, you know? And you have the confidence of doing that because you've done it so many times and you know how to do it well. So I understand what you mean. Yeah. Would you ever consider moving outside of, like, Montreal, LA, Toronto, outside of the bubble? I get this question a lot, and I feel like I'm such a Montreal boy. I mm. can't do it. I can't do it. Like, I, I, okay. I don't want to do it. I love my fam. Yeah, like, I love don't my family. Be. I want to be around my family all the time. And, like, I, like, I don't have kids or anything, yeah. so it's just, like, I could do it. But, like, okay. if I had to choose a place to move... <sighs> Man, I would still say Montreal. Yeah. Like, uh, once I'm out of my condo, I feel like I want to buy a property in the woods and like just be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel like I'll right, be. Right, like, right, right, but right. I'll always be an hour away from Montreal so that I could go downtown and and enjoy the city. For so sure. like, to, that's dude, fair. It's I mean, hard. It's, tough, it's hard to you know? move away. Like, I, I don't know if I can do it. And yeah, especially from Italian background. <laughs> family, exactly. Family so to me, tight. it's like I don't know if I want to do that, dude. I just want to kind of, you know, uh, it depends. Like LA. Look, I would do it like three months out of the year. I'd go to LA. And then, okay, uh, okay, Toronto, it's right It's right here. I can go whenever I want. You know what I mean? It's like, if yeah, those are the exactly. major cities for, like, uh, for music, well, then... Yeah, like Toronto, New York, even, it's not even that far. New York isn't far. I haven't been yet. I still have to go. But, you know, um, nice. Vancouver, I've been. Vancouver's really fun. It's really dope for, like, a Canadian, oh, nice. for Canadian, That's like, sick. music. Yeah, big time. Let's talk. Let's talk about Dawes. Let's talk about what you enjoy the most about Logic Pro X. I'm curious. Because that's, because the, th the thing, Luca, this is what I want to say. Anthony's a Logic guy. And the entire building of Planet, as far as I know, you are the only Logic main user. Because everyone else is like, Pro Tools, Pro Tools, Pro Tools, Pro Tools, Pro Tools. But you break the norm. I want to hear more about this. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. There was a guy on, on Logic and it's Banks and Ranks. Banks and Ranks are on Logic too. Oh, they are now. Yes, that's true. But I would, I would uh, mix a lot in Logic. So I'll take stuff that I do in Ableton. Or like depending the song. But I would export mostly. I've, I've right, been doing that yeah. lately. I'll export everything mm -hmm. and put it into Logic. You know, because the thing about Logic on yeah. a Mac, it's a Mac software. Yeah. It runs like a champ. Yeah, it's so easy to use too. If I'm running on a Mac, which Ableton is not a Mac software, it's made from like some other company. Dude, it's like it doesn't work. Like it's it, it works, but it's not it's not as strong. I can't run as many tracks and it's like it starts crashing yeah. on me. So that's also a computer thing. But you know, logic to me, it's like yeah. I could have the oldest Mac and it'll still run like a champ. So it's very weird. It's like some black magic in logic sometimes. But like if I had to compare Pro Tools and Logic, there's a workflow difference. If I have to create an audio file, label it as an aux, name the aux, 
and then do a routing. Yeah. I have just wasted like two minutes, bro, on making a bus logic. I just have to go click on send, bus one, it's done. So that's it, like yeah. uh, to, mm -hmm. to add to like logic. Like logic's just super powerful for me and it's very clear. And like yeah. uh, to me, it's like just a color coding, even though you can do that in any, in any other right. DAW. It's just like great. everything is very clear, crystal clear. So I just like it. Yeah. How long have you been using uh, Logic? Ever since I hopped, hopped onto yeah. Mac. So that's like, uh, yo, like I was what? In yeah. audio school. So I'm going to say 2013, 2014. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. And so like before that, what other DAWs, or in between that time, have you used other DAWs aside from Logic? Cubase and FL Cubase. Studio. Cubase wow. was dope. I love Cubase actually. It's one like, it's another powerful like uh, beast of a software. I think the thing about Cubase nice. I didn't like, which I should like, is the window of when you open up your plugins. Like, you know, it's like you click and then you got like this square window where in the center you have your EQ yeah. and then on the sides you have your sends and your inserts. To me, mm. it was it was always throwing me off and I I, I couldn't, okay. I also wasn't so experienced. like the layout the of it? Yeah, I wasn't that experienced at the time to understand it. But like Studio One, I checked out. Yeah. Studio One's amazing. So that's it. Yeah. I mean, I just stuck to Logic. Logic had everything I needed. Yeah. Logic's nice. Logic has it has nice MIDI too. I find like whether it's just typical MIDI or yeah. just like scoring because it has the option. It's really nice. Okay, let's talk a little bit about virtual instruments and plugins that you swear by. What are some absolute plugins that you see every day whenever you open Logic and VSDs? Plugins. Okay, so Virtual Mix Rack by Slate is my go-to for everything. I use almost every plugin on that thing. IK Multimedia mm -hmm. plugins. So I'll okay. use like a, a lot of that stuff there. The T Rack stuff I really like, which I, everyone's always like, why do you use it? I'm like, I don't know. It's it's cool. And my VSTs, it's Serum, Anna 2 as a synth, Arturia synths. Oh, nice. I use a package from Slate called like Murda Melodies and all there's like these new things that they're releasing like Kilohertz, which is like a bunch of like things for you to like beef up your mixes. And it's really good. It's something to check out that people don't mention a lot. So yeah, I guess that's uh, that's really what I'm using. Okay. I have yet to <laughs> see a plugin that's like Melodyne, but instant so that it analyzes the audio as soon as I open the plugin. You know what I mean? It's like uh, Logic does that, but it doesn't sound yeah. that great when you're tuning vocals on Logic. So when you tune vocals on, on Melodyne, really. it sounds amazing, but I have right. to play the whole track. I'm wasting time like i wanted to just pop up apparently there's a few that do but i don't know you can commit in pro tools i'm pretty sure i remember jacob telling me this trick you can like you use melodyne and then you just commit you no because you still have would have to play through the track yeah it still has to has to go through how does logic if i just double click on the wave right file, how does it mean. instantly analyze all my notes right. so it's like automatically come on. like why yeah. isn't there a software doing that maybe that's why yeah, it compromises likely, the quality yeah, likely all right we need a research team to go on this one so if you're listening to this and you work at ceremony or someone else out there and you're a plugin developer luca needs your help fix that fix that <laughs> Oh, um, okay. My last question before we go to the final question for you, Luca, is uh, we talked a lot about music, audio. Outside of that, what do you do to keep sane and busy? Because we all know what this world is like. What do you do to just keep yourself with your two feet on the ground? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, look, okay. Uh, I do a few little side gigs in audio, like I'm a voice actor as well. And so I'll do like, um, I have a, an acting agent and his name is Costa. He's amazing, Constantine. He basically tries to get me on gigs like as much as possible. But so far I've only gotten one good gig, yes. which was a PlayStation 4 uh, game called Necromunda. Ah, oh, nice. It, it apparently tanked. I don't know. Something like it, they... 
they it didn't do too uh, well because I think the the game was glitching out and like the it was released too early something like that I don't know my friends told me but like I, I was just mm. like happy to be a part of it because I was like one of the main characters so it was really dope or else I do like kids music yeah. on like a channel called Little Angels that blew up I was in that channel like four years ago they were like at 400,000 subscribers now they're like at 10 million subscribers something crazy it's insane yeah so Whoa, it's like a kids channel where you just sing like jingles and stuff like just for like extra cash because like I'm I'm a true believer of like I'm a true believer of whatever you're good at try to find something you know yeah. try to find something that you know just gonna take your mind off your main job and like you know it's gonna it makes life a little more fun so you know yeah. that's good yeah no doubt no doubt okay so that pretty much sums up all the questions we we had so uh here on soundspace we we've created a little tradition where i like to ask all the guests mm -hmm. one final question and my final question to you is what is your advice to people who want to get into the space of sound god don't do it no no no, no i'm kidding it's uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's uh, more gigs for Luca. Gigs for Luca. <laughs> Not even. It's just like don't, don't do it. Just don't. No. Um, I would say my advice is be realistic. Right. Know what you're in. Right, know right. what you're doing. Don't have a big head about it. And know the time that you've put in. Like, be real with yourself. Some guys, man, they'd come out of school and they were shooting too high, you know, with no experience. And they're like, you know, then I'm then screw this field, yeah. man. I'm going to go do something else. And then literally go do something else. They just give up right away. And I'm there like sweating at yeah. 50 bucks a night and going crazy. And they have the balls yeah. to look at me and say like, hey, you know, like we're never going to make money in this thing. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. Did it Be real with yourself. Go sacrifice. Go make yeah. connections and be good at something. Like find a niche. Don't just mix. Or if you're going to mix, be like a, an incredible mixing engineer. But like find a, a way in yeah. of something, like something unique. That's like, you know, like especially people were doing podcast mixing. I was like, yo, that's, that's a good idea. There's a lot of money in that. You yeah. know, you start doing right. it for free for Absolutely. one company Absolutely. that's huge on YouTube and then you do it for like yeah. you know at a high rate for another company that's asking for the same service so it's like you know come on and then the word of mouth comes in uh, in that sense again yeah so like, oh you did you did the mixing for that guy oh well I trust you I mean it sounded good can you mix for mine yeah and it's like it if it's for a very successful podcast there's money in there there's a lot of money in there so it's like people could you know say, hey man I'll give 400 bucks to do the mix mm -hmm. okay cool and it's like can make a killing doing yeah. that stuff so I don't know I think it's really about people just like being real with themselves and especially Especially in music production, be very real with yourself. Like, do not waste a client's time. Yeah. If you're not good at like, I don't know, making stuff just sound right, then your music, your musicality isn't there. Dude, don't take the gig. Don't waste people's time. I've heard productions that I was like, what were they thinking? And then it's like the song didn't do anything. Like barely like a thousand streams. And it's like, dude, what were you thinking? And it's like, I don't know. And then I'll have those same producers hit me up and be like, yeah, but like, you know, I'm not like you, man. It's like, you know, I, I just wish I was better as a producer. I got to really put more time into it. It, then why are you wasting your client's money? You know what I mean? It's like, why are you telling yeah. me this? Because that money could have went to someone else. Mm -hmm. Anyways, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's it. Absolutely. You know, it's not to get... It's, it's, right. <laughs> sorry, because I think I sounded a little negative on that. But uh, but no, it's just like, it would make me feel like, yo, dude, like, what are you doing? You know, if the song is straight pop, man, just yeah. make it straight pop. Make pop music. That's it. There's very little ways for you to screw up. <laughs> it's like you know, it's 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 start sub, start sub, man. So that's it. On that note, on that note, be real, be real with yourself. Yes. 
Before we close out, uh, where can nice. people find you, Luca? If they listen to this podcast and they want to maybe hire you for a production and everything, what's your website? What's your social media? Oh, it's uh, lucatheproducer.com. All together, no caps. lucatheproducer.com. You'll have all the links to my work and there's a contact page that's very simple because you can find me on Instagram at lucatheproducer and you can find me, you'll find my email at info at lucatheproducer.com. Perfect, perfect. Anthony, where can people find you? Perfect. You can find me on Instagram at akachi.audio. That's A-C-A-C-I dot audio. You can find me on Spotify at Akachi. And my website is in the works, but when it is complete, it will be linked. Perfect. You can find the podcast Soundspace in your favorite podcatcher. Please leave us a five-star review. All of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook will be linked in the description as well as YouTube. And the artwork for this podcast is done by GoProKio. His link is also in the description. And for myself, just go to giantmusic.com. That is my website. It leads to everything else. If you want to hire me for mixing and mastering services, I'm over there. And uh, that's going to be it. So thank you so much, Luca, for coming on. Really appreciate uh, your time. And uh, let's do a round two sometime around. I think there's going to be great things that are going to be happening for you. Oh, I'm super down. And also, wait, Akachi? How do you say it in, in Italian? Like, No, it's because yeah. my last name is Kachi. Oh, yeah. So there you Anthony go. Anthony Kachi. So like A-C-A-C-I. Nice. Well, because it sounds so anime, and I don't know how Jayan didn't catch on that. Akachi! <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so Akachi. It sounds so yeah. anime bro Let's keep that in the podcast I don't want to cut that out I want to keep this in Ah uh, man <laughs> I don't know Yeah, yeah no 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 no. Yeah, keep yeah. this in the, in the podcast It's great I, I I might be like Gabe And just keep changing my name <laughs> Yeah that's it Exactly <laughs> Rebranding nice. Alright Perfect Alright Goodbye everyone Thank you so much to Myself Anthony and Luca This has been another episode Of Soundspace Bye Bye Thanks bye bye <laughs>